Welcome to the America Football Show, powered by EP Sports. EP Sports is the top supplier in the UK for all of your America football needs, helping players and coaches reach their potential since 2007. Check them out at epsports.co.uk. Uh, another week of some upsets, some um, pretty straightforward games. Craig, congrats on make your team making it through to the divisionals. Um, how do you feel about the win? Um, very, very relieved. Um, very happy. Um, it was nice to, I don't know, I guess it was nice to see Lamar try and be the bigger man about it, but it was also fun to watch the rest of the Ravens jump on the, the Titans logo and have a little dance. Um, yeah, it was a, a fun weekend. Yeah, that, that interview at the, the end of the game was funny because he, he's, he's not, he obviously was just full of <laughs> and whatnot, but he, trying to get a coherent sentence out of him. <laughs> Oh, me, me, me and like me and um, me and Helen were sat there just laughing at like how just how fast he was talking and how like sort of incoherent it sort of was. Um, and then like funnily enough, Tim messaged at the same time as we were talking about it, asking the same thing. So I'm I'm glad I weren't the only one to notice it. Like, um, so yeah, wildcard weekend's over. Um, any, what was everyone's favourite play or uh, kind of thing of the the weekends? Brown's first quarter. Oh yeah, the Brown. Oh my god, because it was so late. I thought, you, like you, uh, Tim. I think you gone to bed or something. Yeah. I was messaging in the group chat like, "Somebody, please be awake." It's twenty-eight nil, and it's the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Just couldn't believe it. Me first snap of the game. Yeah, you got vibes of that uh, Seahawks Broncos Super Bowl, didn't you? Just like the messed up snap. But this time it wasn't a safety; it was a touchdown. Mate, everyone. I think everyone's just happy for the Browns. I saw a video of some Browns fans and it was like somebody was recording them like on Snapchat or whatever the kids use. Um, but it was like some fans kind of getting ready for the game, but they were doing the first snap and only like two of them were kind of side-eyeing the telly and they just started screaming and <laughs> scared and they just started all jumping on each other because of it. Yeah, I don't think any Browns fans felt comfortable. Yeah. I know I've seen a few things on Facebook and Twitter and... Um, I was listening to around the NFL and like, I know when he was talking to, to Sessler, he was saying the same thing. Like, it, you know, until the final whistle when he just, he just felt nervous throughout the entire game. And it did look like they were starting to come back because the game was going and you were thinking, oh God, no, like, please, please don't do this. You know what I mean? But fortunately enough, they, um, they pulled it out of the bag. So two, two teams with, what is it, like tw over 25 years? Oh no, the Browns have won a playoff since, but been a long time for both of them. Um, this week seems to have been more impactful on the, the coaching front than last week. Um, there are some bigger ones than normal, but we do have some questions addressing them, so we won't get to them just right now. But um, first one off the board, Seahawks offensive coordinator for the last three years, Marty Schottenheimer, has gone. Um, obviously, uh, it's a big a team with a big offense. So, was uh, Joe, you probably followed the Seahawks a little bit closer than I did. Do you know much about that? To be honest, but I think it just came down to a sort of clash in what what the coaches wanted to do. I think Pete Carroll just had a complete different idea of how he wants his offense to be run. I think he's more of a you know run heavy man, and he likes to focus on his defense. Whereas the other way around, you know, Schottenheimer's wanting to let Russ cook and make him throw the ball. I think he was effectively wanted to do the more exciting way of playing football whereas Pete Carroll just didn't really agree with it and I think it just came down to that need to get Freddie Kitchens in so Russ can cook in there <laughs> no 
Um, other coordinator news, Bears defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano has retired. Um, there's a bit of discussion going around this one. I know you've picked up on it, Tim. Um, basically, it's being used as almost like a scapegoat for Nagy and Pace. Yeah, I think the Bears are going to tear it up. Although Nagy and Pace are staying, there's a lot of talk of the Bears completely tearing things up. I've seen rumours about Khalil Mack getting traded for a couple of first-round picks. I wouldn't say no to that. Um, but, yeah, Chuck Pagano's been a good coach. He's been around for years and years. So, you know, it's sad to see him go. But, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a scapegoat in there. It's just the Bears have only been good on defence the past few years. How I get he's retiring, but it seems like it's almost like a pace and uh, Nagy are kind of like, oh, don't worry, we've got rid of the problem now. <laughs> but they, they made the playoffs. It wasn't like they were 11-5. and five. They were eight and eight, and still yeah, I guess in the, the playoffs. So was the end as well. Um, talking about an offense that didn't look good towards the end, uh, the Steelers' offensive coordinator—I don't know how to say this—Randy Fichtner—he's um, gone. So I think we all saw against the Browns; they they were pretty much relying on a dink and dunk offense the entire time. Yeah, well, I mean, all season the Steelers pretty much just haven't had a running game. Um, they've pretty much got by I think on the experience of Ben the fact that he does have the ability to sling it I guess when he's on a good day um, and just sheer talent I think at times like the the pace um, but in terms of just scheming and everything else I don't think they've really sort of shown much or that they've, they've seen much and they've been quite quite one dimensional in the sense that they are just relying on the talents of like Johnson and, and Juju I mean, alongside this, at the, at the end of the game, um, obviously, um, Marquis Pouncey and Big Ben sat on the benches. Marquis Pouncey's already announced retirement, but is Big Ben going to be following that? Is the, the old guard of the Steelers getting torn down for the new wave? I, 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 he came back from injury, didn't he, this year? And I just don't think he wants to end it like he's like it's ended. I, I know there's a lot of talk about it, but I just can't see Ben retiring this year. I think it's time. I think I think he should. Whether he will or not, I don't know. But we're talking about this today. I think if Big Ben Big Ben goes to Sean Watson to the Steelers, I think him, and then that would be a pretty disgusting offense with him at the helm. I think. Yeah, that'd be dangerous. I wonder as well if this new offensive coordinator is just going to sort of make the wide receivers of the Steelers lose their attitude. Like Chase Claypool, what he was saying after that game, like, I like him as a player, mate, but I, every week I just lose more and more sort of like respect for him. He's just got a weird thing that he just sort of wants to be controversial when he can. I was watching, what? I don't know what? if anyone watched him, Urinating Tree on YouTube. He does a lot of reviews, but he's a Steelers fan and he can't stand Juju and Claypool because they're always on TikTok talking about... Like, yeah, I mean, I had a dig at them a little while ago, didn't I? And I know we had a laugh and a joke about it, but, like, I mean, to be fair to Juju, after the game, when he spoke to him, he was quite humble about it, considering all of the stuff he was saying pre-game, which, to an extent, I kind of get. It's like when you're watching MMA or boxing or something, you're going you're gonna to talk up the game to an extent, you know what I mean? You're going to talk a bit of smack, everything else. I get I get that, if they're that sort of style of player, you know what I mean? But after the games, usually at least was a bit more humble about it, whereas Claypool still was just quite, I think, quite rude and a bit um, disrespectful in his, in his comments. 
seems to be a trend with Steelers receivers. Absolutely amazing on the field, but dicks off the field. Because look at Antonio Brown. He was like, just as the other guys are going. Yeah. But unless he actually stops doing stupid shit like that, I mean, I can't stand social media on the most of the best of days. Yeah, it's too much dancing, yeah. mate. Too much dancing and arson round and not enough, like, business, I think. Best thing that guy said on YouTube as well, he goes, it's the same fucking dance. <laughs> <laughs> um, other retirement news, Anthony Constanza, the Colts' long-time left tackle, is retired. Um, he was injured as well, so I think that was a, a, a retirement a lot of Colts fans saw coming. Um, the Raiders have hired Gus Bradley. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Tim? Better than what we had. Uh, it's not exactly been treated as the greatest hire ever in the history of the Raiders, but Chris Bradley's always had pretty good defences. Our defence is absolutely terrible, so anything that he can do to help is more than welcome. Okay. Um, some front office moves. The Broncos have hired Vikings kind of personnel manager uh, as their GM. Uh, so that's John Elway's replacement, essentially. Um, and the Rams, this is a bit of an interesting, because I, I didn't know this was a rule that had come in, but the Lions have picked up a general manager from the Rams. He was a, another kind of person, player development personnel kind of guy. But because he, because it's a... Um, like the, the not not a Rooney rule, but I think it might be Rooney rule, but essentially like a um a mi- minority pick. Uh, the Rams are getting two conditional third round picks um for it, so the Rams get a bit richer. But and it is a good hire as well because the Rams have been really good at picking out talent in the the, the kind of the mid rounds. So hopefully the Lions get someone who's gonna. I mean, obviously the Lions are always hoping, but <laughs> um. That's all the front office news. Um, bit of rumour mill. Uh, as of recording, it's very close to confirmation, but um, the biggest matchup from a head coach to a team right now is Urban Mayer to uh, the Jags. Um, Urban Mayer is very successful Florida, I think, coach. Um, and this is the hot topic. that Does he want to move away from the cushy, or I say cushy, but college coach and lifestyle where he's got a lot of success? into a new environment with, obviously, Trevor Lawrence. Yes. Like, you, you're bringing in Trevor Lawrence. You, you're not guaranteed success, but, you know, you've got a good chance of being successful. However, there is the other side of that. If he comes in and messes it up with Trevor Lawrence, he'll never get an NFL job again. So it's, it's a big jump, but I think it's one that, if he plays it right, will pay off really, really well for him. There's not been a great recent history of big college coaches making it big in the NFL. I think Pete Carroll's an exception. He was he won national championships. Kingsbury and Sean McVay. Yeah, so Pete Carroll's quite good, but he got his national championship taken off him. But you've got people like uh, Nick Saban, whose term at the Dolphins was an absolute disaster, and he couldn't wait to get out of there. So, you know, just because you're a good coach in college doesn't necessarily going to make a good pro coach. Well, this leads on to one of the questions we've got. It's something I think we should bring up is that when you are looking for a head coach, would you rather have the um, kind of, not necessarily Jeff Fisher bad, but someone who's been in the league for a while that has coaching experience that might not necessarily be the best, or do you want uh, someone who's not proved it in the league and you've got the chance of getting one of those hotshot uh, coaches? Because 
in my in my view, I think you're more likely to hit gold going through the college coaches than trying to do a reach a, 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 a shitty coach out of the mud. NFL owners generally are very conservative in that they like to pick people that have had experience as college as NFL coaches or have been coordinators for a while. Uh, they don't really like risking it with college coaches. And that's not exciting. You know, when you, you're looking for a new coach and the names that are coming up are people like blinking Jason Garrett, for example, or Jim Caldwell, they're good coaches, but it's not exciting. You know, when, when you've gone through a bad season, you've sacked your coach, you're looking for a restart, you want a complete rehaul, you want a decent young coach who's going to bring new ideas and shake the team up. So it's the difference between what fans want for a coach and what owners want for a coach, really. Yeah, I love seeing that Chargers room is that Jason Garrett, who spent however many years at the Cowboys kind of mithering in the middle, goes to the Giants. They go six and ten with a slightly decent offense, and now the Chargers are like, he might be our guy. Well, at the moment, there's what there's, we were saying before, there's seven, seven spots available for a new head coach. You've got Jags, Falcons, Lions, Jets, Eagles, Chargers, and Texans. How, how would you rank them from best to worst in terms of head coaching jobs then? Jags is first. Really? Getting the first overall and essentially Trevor Lawrence. I quite mm. like the Chargers job. Yeah, Chargers for me. A young, talented roster for me. <sighs> then, like Adam said, though, Trevor Lawrence is like a once-in-a-generation talent, so who wouldn't want to coach If you want to go to a team that's got kind of already good foundations, you're looking at either the Falcons or the Chargers – if you're going into a team and you're like, I, I need to build the success, you're looking at either Jets, Jags, Lions, and then the Texans and the Eagles are both pretty undesirable locations. Texans. Think- so here's a question for you, Adam. Why did it take so long to sack him? Why didn't they just do it at the same time? Because you've kind of got a little bit of a, a catch-up to do because a lot of coaches have already been interviewed. So you might find that a lot of the really hot prospects, obviously your Robert Salas, they might be getting picked off already before you get your coach. My conspiracy theory, I'm going all QAnon here, is that Jeffrey Lurie has got someone in mind and it's all kind of been under the table, been a bit Belichick, Tom Brady's under the table, envelopes full of cash, and you're going to get like a Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma coach. That's I wouldn't say it's thing, but... No, I, f- I think the reason that happened late was because Jeffrey Lurie was doing interviews with Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson. Howie's, I think, a little bit more in Jeffrey's head than Doug. So he kind of, may- I don't know what happened, obviously, maybe pulled off a blade. Maybe he did kind of just say, hands up, it was me, but I can do better. But what, for whatever reason, Doug and Jeffrey didn't have, their visions didn't align. So just after, he had two interviews, I think, after the second one, it was like, it's clear to me it's not going to go any further. So I don't think it was anything conspiratorial. Um, leading into our fan questions, we've got a, a couple. Um, two of them are related to this topic, so we'll just bounce straight on them. Uh, Ray Carroll has asked us, um, what are my thoughts on the fire and a dog? Uh, and Claire Saunders from Medway has asked us, uh, what, do the, what do we think the Eagles get for the next head coach? Um, so I'll, I'll get the rant started up. I don't think there's much of a rant, actually. I'm quite happy about it. Um, end of the day, I think Doug did need to go. And there's the whole, well, here's my view of it. We got a Super Bowl three years ago. I'm still quite happy with the team. Because if you ask the Bills, you ask the Browns, would you, if you want a Super Bowl this year, would you take five years of shit? Absolutely, you're saying yes. 
So I'm still in that kind of grace period where I'm like, I'm 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 well I'm happier that we're changing than just sticking because clearly Doug's not doing it right. If you look at it, if if you take out the Super Bowl, which I think is an amalgamation of all the coaching staff we had, because Frank Reich's obviously brilliant or was brilliant with us. Um, is Doug's seasons were outside of 2017? They were pretty average seasons. So I, I think the Super Bowl was going his way, but we've ripped the Band-Aid off quicker than normal when some teams will give five, six years to a Super Bowl winning coach. I think Jeffrey Lurie just wants to kind of... You see, Doug had problems, so that's why I'm not too upset about us losing him. He didn't really change the offence a lot, and he only wanted a hire from within, which is I like hiring from outside as a fan. So that was something I'm not too asked about. Um, but yeah, I'm not too upset about leaving. I think Howie Roseman needs to answer something, but he's 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 a bit of a grieve a worm tongue right now. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, regarding next coach, I honestly have no fucking idea. I'd like to. Well, I looked at some of the odds today, and you've got Eric the Enemies five to one, Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma coach, is seven to one, Deuce Staley five to one, Mike Kafka six to one. Couple of other names in there. Jared Mayo, uh, who's linebackers coach with your Patriots. I didn't actually know he retired. I thought he was still playing. Um, the other one I've seen is Joe Staley. Uh, Joe Brady, sorry. Yeah, I mean it's it's all the sort of standard names. Lincoln Riley's the only one thrown in there. Um, I don't know. I I'd like a I'd like some. I know it sounds fucking cliche. I want someone who can attempt to fix Wentz or a, someone who's going to fix the quarterback problem and just can't even if he even if he does something i don't agree with i want him to take a stance and do something and i want him to draft mika parsons you you want them to go back to Wentz. you don't want them to sort of try and trade them and move the hits if, if there's the opportunity to trade Wentz for like we did with sam bradford if it's a team that gets injured wants to take a risk and they say we'll give you a first and something else for Wentz, i'll probably be like do it keep hurts and then see what happens uh, because I think he is leaning more towards being a liability than um, a potential MVP. I think he's 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 moving away from that. He can be fixed, and that's what the next head coach is going to be expected to do. I think. Next question is uh, from your partner, Craig. Yeah. So I I mean I don't know. I know Tim. You had a little bit of a look at this one yourself as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, Helen asks, have mascots ever been given a Super Bowl ring? And if so, which ones? Um, also, who is your favourite mascot and why? She quite likes the Dolphins mascot because he bounces around on his head a lot, which is quite a lot of commitment to your job role, I guess, if you're bouncing around on your head. I don't so, know. I, yeah, I had a quick look up and I was like Craig, couldn't find a definitive answer to that, but I've seen a couple of photos of the Eagles mascot and the Broncos mascot both wearing Super Bowl rings. Now, whether the person inside the suit, sorry, spoiler, uh, gets a ring, I don't know, but the mascot itself actually definitely gets a ring. Yeah, so from the from the research I did, it was it said that each team, when they win a Super Bowl, is allocated up to 150 rings. Um, obviously, all of the players get one, their rings 
and the, the coaches tend to be a little bit different and a little bit have maybe a few more diamonds in than um, the ones that they provide some of the other staff around the team. Um, but sometimes they can they could give them to anyone they wanted. They can raffle them off the fans. They could give them to cheerleaders. They could give anyone who they, who they find, give them to the marching band. Like, it's, it's up to them. So I guess arguably there probably could be some mascots out there with some. I like the Jags mascot. He's funny. Oh, Jackson Deville. He's yeah. my favourite, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, the NFL tried to force the Raiders to have a mascot and they came up with this thing. I'll tweet out a picture of it called Raider Russia, which basically looked like a silver and black Sonic the Hedgehog. And it lasted like, I don't even think it lasted less than one season. I think he got bottled in Oakland first time he showed up on the field. So they gave up on that idea quite quick. Well, while we're talking of mascots, I come across this interesting fact that blew my mind a little bit the other day, right? Who is the highest paid mascot in sports and how much do you think he gets paid? Is it the Philly Fanatic? Yeah, I was going to say Philly Fanatic. Is it's this not all the of Philly sports? Fanatic. In all of sports, yeah. I, I have a feeling Gunnosaurus is going to be up there for Arsenal. I know he's quite a big, Ooh, big one. Cyril, Cyril Swan. No, so the highest paid mascot in sports actually belongs to the Denver Nuggets. You've got their mascot, which is called Rocky. He looks a bit like a, I guess he looks a bit like a chicken, I would say, or some kind of <laughs> cockerel or something along those lines. Um, he earns a whopping $625,000 a year. That's more than I'd argue, like most players. Like that, That's a lot of money for a mascot. What a job. Greg, I don't know what picture you're looking at. That's a lion. <laughs> is it? It's, you know what? It's been a long day and I haven't got my glasses on. What was his name again? Rocky. Rocky. He is a lion. I apologise. That makes more sense. Rocky the mountain lion. <laughs> what? You thought that was a cock? <laughs> no, it's... Yeah, I'm looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, mate. That's funny. Tim, do you want to give us a recap on how the scores are looking? I do. Give me two seconds. Okay, so from the wildcard round, it was Adam got four, Craig got five, Joe got six, and I got a measly three. Uh, Adam got the Buck score spot on, so did Craig, and Joe got the Raven score spot on. Nobody did very well with the bold predictions. And also from the bonus points, the people that guessed the correct winners in wildcard games in preseason, Adam got the Ravens and the Bucks, Craig got the Bills and the Bucks, uh, Joe got the Bills and the Bucks, and I just got the Bills. So that changes the leaderboard. So the grand totals now, Adam is on 208, Craig 210, I'm on 218, and Joe's gone back into the lead with 219. Ooh. So all to play for. You're catching up, Adam. I'm getting there. I just need one. I need one of just perfect week. Right. Um, let's fly straight into the first game of divisional weekend. Uh, Craig, you've got the Rams going to Green Bay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I would describe this game as it's the battle of the unstoppable force against the immovable object. You've got Green Bay's 
first in the NFL um, offense with 31.8 points on average per game against the, the Rams who finished first in the NFL with 18.5 points allowed per game on defense. So you've got arguably the best offense, highest scoring offense against the, the defense that's allowed the least points this season. Um, Packers, they dominated where it mattered most. They ranked second on third down and perhaps number one in in NFL um, history in the end zone. And you've got the Rams who were first in yards allowed per game and per, per, uh, per play, including first in passing yards allowed uh, per game and per play. So I'll start with the Rams. Um, they became the first underdog to get a win in this year's playoffs after eliminating the Seahawks in a 30-20 to 20 win in the wildcard round last week. Um, how did the Rams stop the Seahawks? Well, lead by they got in Wilson's face a lot. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, Wilson was pressured for 20 out of the 36 times he dropped back for the past. They also sacked them for five of those. Um, the Rams, they'll be looking to repeat that, um, that kind of performance against Rodgers and the Packers this weekend at Lambeau. Also, according to PFF, PFF Rodgers, he, he leads the NFL in, in completion percentage, but he wasn't nearly as good when he was under pressure. He ranked only 20th with a 45.3% completion rate. So the key battle is definitely going to be the Rams' pass rush against that Packers' offensive line and, and protection. For the for the season, Rodgers was pressured just 23.7% on dropbacks. It was the third lowest rate in the league, whereas the Rams' defensive front, led by Aaron Donald, who's on currently on 15 and a half sacks. He had 13 and a half sacks in the regular season. Um, he's definitely going to be the biggest challenge for the, the for Green Bay and who um you're going to be without without David Bakhtiari, who's um you know the the premier left tackle. So the Rams last week, they had to lean heavily on their defense and on rookie running back Cam Akers. Jalen Ramsey did a good job against DK Metcalf, who caught five of 11 targets. Um, as for Cam Akers, he had 131 rushing yards and a touchdown on 28 carries. Ramsey's ability to take away opponents' most like lethal weapon downfield has been a huge key for the Rams all season. I know I don't know if you have seen it. There's been quite a few stats popping around this season about all of the top class number one receivers he's gone up against this season, and he's pretty much shut down most of them. And he's um, I think he's been shown quite a lot of respect. Um, so they'll definitely be planning to be using him against Devontae Adams. Um, we, you know, so you've got the, the statistical best wide receiver, I think, in the league this season, going up against the the number one shutdown corner in the league, head to head. So I think that's definitely going to be some uh, some must watch action between the two of them back and forth. Aaron Donald, he's expected to play after suffering a rib injury late in the game against Seattle. Um, he's he's the best in the business at what he does. Along with his 15 and a half sacks and four forced fumbles, he also leads interior defensive linemen with 98 quarterback pressures, 27 more than anyone else, and 21 more than all of the Packers' interior defenders combined. So this just shows you how good of a player this guy is. Um, is he rushes nearly evenly split between the left and the right side, so it's not like he just likes to dive one way. Um, it's you know, it's it's hard to imagine that the Rams DC is not going to set him set Donald loose against um, Lucas Patrick on every play because he's the guy who's in covering up for um, for Bakhtiari. Um, at the moment, it's uncertain whether Wolford or Goff are going to be starting. Wolford suffered a neck injury against the Seahawks um, after taking a shoulder to the head, whereas Goff, he's still stealing with a thumb issue on his throwing hand. Um, he did a pretty good job considering, um, but I know his hand is still a bit messed up. On the other side... You what? 
Goff is starting. Goff is starting. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, so, I mean, hopefully his, his form's a bit better than it was. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I'll try and be quick. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers will hopefully they'll be ready to go thanks to a bye week uh, after coming first in the NFC for the seasons. Um, Packers are going to be coming to this game against the Rams with much fresher bodies. Um, hopefully not necessarily rusty. I know the Packers, after talking to a few Packers fans, they don't have the best history of coming off a bye week, um, but hopefully they're nice and fresh for this one. Um, the last time the Packers were on the field, they dismantled the Bears 35 to 16. Um, Rodgers, he just he just toyed with that defense, and um, I think at the minute he's looking like he's going to be the favorite for the for the NFL MVP this season. Um, he passed for 240 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and he went 19 to 24 for his completions. Um, as long as Rodgers is healthy and just playing at that level, the Packers are always going to be difficult to play against. Um, they're going to be very difficult to defend against. Um, it also helps that. Rodgers, I think he's 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 offering he's operating at the moment behind an offensive line. Even though it is missing Bakhtiari, is doing an excellent job of protecting him. As the the Packers finished the regular season, he's only been sacked 21 times, so that's tied second fewest in the league. However, I think that one of the big things for this offense coming into this game is when Green Bay's offense is at its best. It's when its running game really gets rolling. A successful running game means fewer fading longs. It allows the Packers to use that lethal play action, the play action game. And um, Rodgers will, he, you know, he, he, I think for them to really get going and do what he can do, the best way to sort of slow that Rams pass rush down and protect them and is to just run the ball effectively. I think Adam Jones and Jamal Williams are really going to need to get that one game going so Rodgers can really let loose and do what he does and not have the likes of Donald and Brockers and co in, in his face. Um, all that being said, I'm going Packers by seven in this one. I I think I've got a play to win this, and I I think Jalen Ramsey. I've, I did have the Packers to win, but Jalen Ramsey's so damn good that I really think he can shut down Devontae Adams, and I I just think the Rams can do it. I've, I've underestimated them a lot this season, and that I'm I'm taking the Rams to do this upset. Uh, the thing is, the Rams are going to have to be top top of their game I think there's no reason why they can't the defence as we saw last week is exceptional but I think a rested Packers team is just going to have the edge on them so I've got Packers to win by seven uh, I have got the Packers to win by eight uh, are we definitely sure Aaron Donald's 100% yes. um, I did see a lot of stats about Jalen Rams against top wide receivers how he's completely shut them out so you know the Packers got other weapons even if Devontae Adams is shut down they're still true. going to win this I've got Packers by 8 I don't think it's been confirmed that Donald is playing the hopeful he's going to play obviously with it being playoffs I highly doubt that he's going to want to miss the game and I don't see anybody telling him no you try telling Donald no good luck with that say, one <laughs> I, I think he's the sort of player unless his leg's fallen off he's going to play yeah, I think they're going to try and get him involved in the game and it'll just be yeah. a case of see how he goes. Right. Um, next game on the bill. <laughs> Didn't even intend to do that. It's the Ravens at the bill. So, um, Ravens come off the away win at Tennessee, finally putting a little uh, nail in the coffin of that, what was becoming a sweep. Um, the, the score makes this game look closer than it felt at points. And the most noticeable stat line coming out of the game was Derek Henry going for 40 yards on the ground off 18 carries. So that is 2.2 yards per run uh, on average. 
Um, he had the biggest thing was he had no big runs on the day. Uh, I think his longest play was like eight yards, and you, he was so close to breaking like, into a big run, and he just got tripped up the ankles. And I thought they've done it; they've stopped him. Um, he, but yeah, Ravens did a really good job. Um, despite only getting one sack on the day, it was a really uh, big defensive battle for both teams. Uh, Lamar Jackson accrued 136 yards rushing on the day uh, and 179 in the air uh, with a quote-unquote dumbass reception, interception. Uh, that was him who said that at the end of the game. Uh, if we go back 12 months ago today, uh, the Ravens have fallen out to the playoffs after losing to the Titans, uh, where they gave up 195 yards to Derrick Henry, just for a bit of comparison. The Ravens then went on to sign Calais Campbell and Derek Wolfe to help out Brandon Williams on that line. Um, Frank Platko, this is my research here, uh, from the Baltimore beatdown, hinted that these signings were directly influenced from that game. Uh, in week 11 of this year, you played the Titans again. Um, Clay Campbell and Brandon Williams were out of that game and Derek Henry again went off for 133 yards and a touchdown. Um, so the moves that had been set up to stop him obviously didn't work because they weren't on the field. Uh, but now they are playing the game and it has clearly paid off. Uh, the reason the Ravens could win this game, uh, they were in a 10-0 deficit to start off with, uh, was just a better functioning offence. Marquise Brown actually looked like a wide receiver one. He had 109 yards on seven catches and his two rushing attempts for 19 yards were just backward passes. So nine, nine run uh, passes overall, really. Uh, Lamar's kept pretty quiet in the first quarter um, as the Titans had clearly schemed really heavily against him. Um, but for, in the, I think it was the second quarter, he just had that unbelievable touchdown run, just literally just showed you how quick he was. And it was kind of like, right, the Titans have, have lost it. They've they've let the seal off. Um, but yeah, the Ravens put the, an end to an unfortunate series of games. And I think a lot of people are looking forward to that rivalry for years to come. Um, Buffalo come off a bit of a nail-biter against the Colts. Uh, 25 years since the last playoff win, Josh Allen has um, furthered his legend with the Buffalo Mafia. Um, Stefan Diggs had a monster of a game, 128 yards, um, and some of the some of the plays he had were just up, just showing off why he's the top receiver. Um, Bills led the game 24-10 by the half, um, but Phil Rivers started to lead a little comeback. Um, the Colts brought it to within three, within two and a half minutes to go. And then the, the most bizarre player of the playoffs to date uh, with Zach Pascal. Fought, he, I mean, to recap, he fell over, he got back up, he fumbled the ball, but apparently he was down by contact. Uh, and that's to say the least. And it took about five minutes for them to, turn it, uh, to not turn it over. Um, so the Bills had to go up against their third Hail Mary of the season. Uh, fortunately, unlike the other two, these, this one didn't land. Uh, and the Bills get to now host the Ravens in what is the most exciting matchup this week, in my opinion. Uh, Bills come into the game uh, with an offense averaging 36.7 points per the last seven games, so pretty high scoring. Uh, their strengths clearly lie in Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley. Um, Stefan Diggs being the best wide receiver this season, I think, in receptions uh, and catches, uh, sorry, receptions and yards. Um, and Cole Beasley's really starting to look like the second coming of Julian Edelman. He's just a really, um, to, to be cliche, like gritty, gym rat kind of white slot receiver, just gets the job done. Uh, and he's absolutely phenomenal in the playoffs, it seems. Um, 
the Ravens have a really formidable pass defense, um, but the Bills have beaten formidable pass defenses before. Uh, the Ravens can look to beat the Bills on their quite shaky run defense. Um, I mean, the Ravens running backs and Lamar, obviously, any one of them can get you. Um, I don't know. Do you know any word on Mark Ingram, Craig? Is he going to be playing next week? Um, I'm not sure. The reason why he's not been playing is obviously because Dobbins has took number one and we've been back and Gus is number two. Um, the reason why he's not been taking that number three spot is because um, just as Hill is in there because he plays special teams. Um, so because he's involved in the special teams and Ingram isn't, he's been taking that that extra spot rather than, than Ingram. Okay. So, like you said, J.K. Dobbins has been doing great. Gus Edwards has good days as well. So um, th- I, I see that's how the Ravens are going to start off their attack. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, the Bills linebacker, is going to be in charge of keeping Lamar Jackson from having another 100-yard game because I think if Lamar Jackson runs for 100 yards, you've probably lost the game. Um, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews have the work out for them. Uh, the Bills' secondary is pretty dangerous, especially with Stephon Gilmore lurking around. Uh, not Stephon Gilmore, sorry, Tredavious White. Um, looking at kickers, obviously, I know we don't obviously normally mention kickers, but Ravens have Justin Tucker, one of the best, of the best kicker of all time. Um, but saying that, if you've watched a Bills game, you'll know who Tyler Bass is, and he he has a, a hoof. He really kicks some long field goals, and he, he's pretty damn accurate. So um, I expect a lot of uh, long kicks in this game, actually. Um, but obviously, two quarterbacks drafted in the same round in the same year, um, probably going to be the top AFC quarterbacks in the years to come. So could be a bit of a Manning-Brady-esque rivalry, but with much more mobile quarterbacks. Um, I think the Bills have the advantage here. They've had an extra day's rest. They're going to be playing at home. Um, I think the Bills just win this by three, but my God, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. I think this is going to be a really close game, but uh, I really like the Bills. So I've got the Bills winning by three. Uh, so I've watching the Colts and Bills game, for me, I thought the Colts were slightly the better team. I just think they were the masters of their own downfall. I don't think the Ravens are going to make the mistakes the Colts did. I think it's a pretty good matchup for the Ravens, a better one than they had against the Titans. So for me, I've got the Ravens by six. And I don't know, I'm pretty confident. Go Ravens. Um, obviously, I'm going to back my boys. Um, I'm going Ravens by three. Ooh, you don't sound too confident. <laughs> I mean, I, if anything, mate, it's just because I respect the Bills. They're a dangerous team. They put up a lot of points. They've got a lot of weapons. The defense isn't shabby. They're well coached. Um, Josh Allen's just like the way he throws the ball he makes it look so effortless it's crazy um, I think everyone bangs on about Mahomes but I mean Allen I think he throw, I think he throws just as, as pretty a ball um, yeah like I think I don't know it's just respect I think I guess um, I understand we're coming into this game as underdogs um, at least in terms of the bookies eyes um, but obviously I'm I'm going to back my boys um, yeah okay Third. First game of the Sunday uh, pair, we have got Tim going over the Browns at Chiefs. Yep. So last week was a dream come true for Browns fans. And to be fair to them, they've been waiting a long time for it. Uh, they beat the Steelers last weekend in an emphatic beat down. Uh, I'll run through a couple of plays. First play, Steelers centre, Pouncey, snapped the ball over Roethlisberger's head. Carl Joseph, the ex-Raider, he recovered for a touchdown, 7-0. 
Next Steelers series, Rothenberger's frozen interception. Browns then score again, 14-0. Then the Browns run down the field, and that culminated in a Kareem Hunt touchdown, 21-0. Next series, Roethlisberger threw another interception, which led to another Hunt touchdown, 28-0. And that was all in the first quarter, so it was it was virtually over. Uh, Steelers put up a little bit of a fight in the second half, but it was too little, too late. It was an incredible result when you consider all that went on around the game. Their coach wasn't playing. They lost, lost one of their best offensive linemen to the vid. So, you know, fair play to the Browns. The Browns fans must be on a complete high for that. Um, Chiefs had a bye. They're the number one seed. So last week they didn't play. Mahomes and the other starters are well-rested, to say the least, because they haven't played since the 27th of December because they were rested in the last regular season game. So Kansas City go into the game with a number one office in the NFL in terms of yards. They've got Pat Mahomes, they've got Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. Cleveland have the 22nd passing defense, allowing 247 air yards uh, per game. So Kansas have definitely got the advantage there. But Cleveland have got the third best rushing offense in terms of yards against them. And Kansas have 21, 21st rushing defense, allowing 122.1 yards. So they've got the advantage on the ground. Uh, but for me, the Chiefs' strengths outweigh the Browns' strengths. Uh, if the Browns grind out an early lead, the Chiefs could have shown that they can come back from any lead and score. Browns have got the momentum going in, and the Chiefs might be too well rested. But I think for the Browns, last week was their Super Bowl. Uh, little notes. Uh, most people probably know this because most of the American media has been going on and on about this. Baker Mayfield played Patrick Mahomes in college in 2016. Uh, Oklahoma beat Mahomes, Texas Tech, 66-59. Mahomes threw for 734 yards and five touchdowns. Mayfield threw for 545 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, but in this game, I've got Kansas winning by 10. Did you say 700 and... What was 734 it? yards. Yeah, it was one of the craziest college games ever. <laughs> mental see with this one I, th I think I'm in the same boat as a lot of people I would love the Browns to go and win this going to be fully backing them but yeah rested Mahomes and the Chiefs unfortunately it's probably the hardest game that they could uh, they could face I do think it's going to be quite close though I've got the Chiefs to win by three I think got to respect that Browns offence that cheap that Browns secondary is just wounded and if there's one thing you don't want to be weak against the Chiefs it's your secondary so I think the Chiefs are going to put the, put the Browns out of the misery in the playoffs and take it by 14. I'm going Browns by four. Um, I'm going to do it. Like, I, I don't know. I watched that game the other day and I got so pumped after watching the highlights back the next day. I was up early in the morning, unfortunately, so I couldn't really watch it live. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I like the Browns, so as I've done secretly. Um yeah, I'm backing them. Let's do it. I want to see the Browns make it. Ravens-Browns championship game. How about it? Okay. And we move away from all these young quarterbacks and we go to what some people are calling the History Channel. And we've got Tom Brady against Drew Brees. Go on, Joe. Yeah, so I guess you saw uh, Tom Brady's tweet with the old History Channel with him and Breeze as like 70-year-old men. Yeah, that was class. A bit, Breeze also loving it as well, which is, is always good to see between them two. Right then, so it's the third matchup of the year with the NFC South rivals going head-to-head. -head. The Saints won both of these during the regular season, uh, the last of those being a 38-3 win. 
However, that was back in week nine. And as we know, these two teams are very different now as they were then. It is also the, the oldest combined ages of two starting quarterbacks in a playoff game. As you know, I think it's something like, what, it's got to be 84, I think, 84, 85, something like that. Pretty crazy numbers. So the Bucks are here after beating Washington at 31-23 in what was actually a rather tasty game. It, you know, there was a concern before the game that Brady might be pressured by the Washington defence. But I tell you what, Donovan Smith had an absolutely incredible game. He kept Chase Young so quiet, he didn't even get a sniff at Tom Brady, which is exactly what the Bucks would want. In that game as well, on their offense, Evans had over 100 yards. AB had a, a touchdown, which made it four games in a row with him getting a touchdown now. And Cameron Brait uh, was the undercover weapon. The problem when you're playing the Bucks is they've got so many weapons, you just don't know who to cover. Uh, T- Taylor Heineke, uh, he tested the Bucks' defense a lot more than they expected. He had a very explosive game, really good game for him. The Saints, they had a rather easy game against the Bears, which was, a, to be honest, quite a poor advert for the seventh seed. Nickelodeon made the game a bit more interesting, a bit of SpongeBob, bit of uh, slime, and also when a few of the players swearing uh, live on Nickelodeon and Nate Burleson and co having to keep them quiet was was. One of the yeah, proper hot. That was the highlight of the game for me, anyway. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, it was a bit boring, but the Saints did what they needed to do. Uh, they the score finished 21 to 9, which made the game seem a little bit closer than it was. Don't get me wrong, the Bucks, sorry, the Bears didn't let the Saints get away from them, uh, but the Saints were rather dominant. Uh, their defense was in top form, yeah, obviously granted against Trubisky and the Bears, but you know, they were still top draw. Uh, Lattimore was class and he's right at the top of his game right now. He had really poor form at the beginning of the season and he's brought that back and he's playing at the top of his game at the right time. Michael Thomas came back and he had five receptions for 73 yards and also a touchdown. It's good to see him back in there. You know, him and Breeze, that connection is so important. And Kamara also had a decent game, uh, 99 yards and a touchdown for him. So, uh, as I mentioned last week, the Bucks' offense is, well, you know, their defense is good, but it's their offense that is their major strength. They, the third most for points per game. Uh, they protect Brady well, like they showed last week. He did get sacked the three times, but they got rid of their rain threat. Uh, the Saints, they have the fourth highest ranked defense. So this is going to be a real good sort of matchup here. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who gets the, who gets the better of the other. Uh, they're ranked eighth for getting sacks. So it's going to be close. However, when it comes to, we've obviously got the evidence between how Tom Brady does against this defense. Tom Brady has two touchdowns and five interceptions against the Saints so far this year, which is a pretty woeful record. He's going to want to want to change that big time. Looking at the other side of the ball, uh, the Bucks defense is 21st uh, for yards per game against the pass. And, you know, that's that's you know, Drew Brees doesn't throw the ball far, but he likes to throw it short passes, and, and that's what's going to hit the Bucks quite hard. The Bucks like to blitz, uh, they blitz 39% of the time, which is the sixth highest percentage in the league. And Drew Brees has the second highest quarterback rating when blitzed. So it's interesting to see if they're going to change their game plan at all there for Brees, or if they're just going to keep doing what they know best. You know, the Bucks. The, the main part of their defense is the, the rush defense, and that continued last week, keeping Washington under 90 yards. It's going to be, of course, a different test uh, when you've got Kamara and Murray coming at you, but it's going to be good to see how that goes. The thing is, all the stats and that how it went earlier in the season point to the Saints winning. 
you know, it's in the dome. They've done them twice already. I think the stat was teams that sweep a divisional rival win. They've won 20 out of the 32 matchups that have been in playoffs. So you look at that, that's about what a 60%, 65% win percentage. However, I'm going with my heart. Uh, I'm going to go for the Bucks and Tom Brady to win. It will be a close one, though. I've got Bucks to win by three. Yeah, I just don't think you can bet against Brady in the playoffs, especially on his fresh new team. And I don't know how the Saints have made me like them less than Tom Brady, but I do like the Bucks. So I've got the Bucks by six. Um, I'm going to go to Saints. Um, I think the Saints not only just beat them last time, but they give them quite a convincing whooping. Um, Latimer, like I said, Latimer looks good. Cam Jordan looks good. That defense looks pretty solid. Kamara, he's had a couple of just like phenomenal weeks. Um, you've got Thomas back. Bruce, since coming back from his injury, looks quite good I think and I think with it potentially being his final season he's going to just sort of go balls to the wall with it um, so yeah I'm, I'm going Saints for seven I've got a horrible feeling like when you need the toilet and you're in the middle of a supermarket queue that the Bucks are actually going to win the Super Bowl my two least favourite players uh, so I've got the Bucks winning by seven in this game yeah, with my my flip of the Rams actually beating the Packers, I can see the Bucks going to the Super Bowl, and that would not be something we want to watch. <laughs> yes, it is, mate. That's the dream. The Bucks make the Super Bowl, and hopefully, hopefully the Ravens will give them a whooping. <laughs> yeah, the Bills. Well, watch watch that Ravens secondary just pick Brady off all day. Okay, let's get some uh, broad predictions out of the way. Tim, talking about Brady, what's yours, yours? So this week, I'm going to say it's going to be Henry Ruggs' coming out party and he's going to get... Oh, sorry, I can't say that, can I? Uh, Saints receiving yards will be more than the Bucks receiving yards. Mike Evans is healthy, yeah? Yeah. Okay. That is I nice. think so. Yeah. Uh, Joe, what's yours? Can you come back to me, please? I <laughs> Craig, I've got Lamar Jackson being kept for under 50 yards against a pretty bad rush defence. Okay, well, I mean, I've gone the other way with mine. I've gone for the QBs in the Ravens-Bills game, so we're talking Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, um, to have more yards rushing combined than the running backs do combined. Okay, this is this bold enough. Jared Goff to have a higher QB rating than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's pretty bold. That's, that's enough for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The scores, I, I, Craig texted me. I, I said the Bills by three, not seven, just to confirm. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think. I think we were all pretty woeful last week, to be honest. We just got the scores right on a few of them. Um yeah, so you can check out all our predictions or send us any questions you want us to talk about on our social medias, which they can find at Joe. Yep, so it's at TAFS underscore UK, and that's our Twitter and Instagram, and our Facebook is Latin American Football Show. Uh, you can also find us on our website, which is Tim. ThatAmericanFootballShow.com um, also remember to check out our friends at Lockdown Lids um, they've got some pretty good ones on they're obviously doing their boots and balls so um, some lesser known names on there I know I'm just 
bought some Brian Dawkins tickets. Uh, anything else on there? Yeah, I'd like to say thank you to Lockdown Lids as well, because they sorted me out with a really nice uh, Darren Waller signed Raiders Mini. So that's taking pride of place in my office upstairs. They've got, if you are a Browns fan and you're on the Browns hype, I think they've got a Jarvis Landry ball on there at the moment. I think they've still got the Baker Mayfield helmet as well, full-size helmet. Yeah, they do. Yeah, make sure you check them out at lockdownlids.co.uk. Um, you can also find all this stuff on our website, including our merch, which is also on EP Sports website. Um, any shout-outs this week, guys? I would like to say, if you are interested in doing a little bit of writing for us, we are, or you've done any writing in the past, you have anything that you want to get out there for people to, to have a little nose and a read about, um, give us a shout, send it our way. We'd be happy to put it up on the website. Uh, I want to say a uh, thank you to the Saunders family as well. Claire sent in a uh, question today. They've been big supporters of the pod, got our merch, wearing it in the mean streets of Medway Towns. So thanks, Claire. Uh, I also want to, yeah, that's... Um, Sean, who I spoke about last week, got back in touch. Um, he let us know who his, his team is. Um, uh, I want to say he's a Bills fan. So, obviously, after getting in touch, it's pretty good timing. When he's, he's fine, he's, he started backing the Bills this season. He's going to be going up against my Ravens this week. Um, I want to say good luck, but no, fuck that. I hope, I hope he's crashing bad, bitch. <laughs> no, I'm only, I'm only messing. Like, um, yeah, thanks, thanks for getting in touch. And I hope you have fun watching the game on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening make sure you head over and check out our friends at EP Sports for all all your NFL and equipment needs thanks for listening and we'll see you next week okay chicken So, interesting fact, I stumbled across last night. So, I don't know if you should remember this, Tim Knight. Tim Knight, do you remember the fight between Andre Johnson and Cortland Finnegan? Yep. Where Andre Johnson ended up ripping his helmet off and just, like, punching the crap out of him a couple of times before he got pulled off him. So, apparently, he was fine pretty heavily for that, obviously, because it was, you know, as far as fights go in the NFL, it did get a bit on the heavier side. Um Apparently, Cortland Finnegan was that disliked around the league. The different players from a variety of different teams all chipped in together to pay his fine for him. Yeah, which I, I, thought, which I, I thought was I really that, cool. Where did you see that? Because I read exactly the same thing today, and I was going to bring that up as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't That's remember. It, I think I just stumbled across it on like one of the Facebook pages I follow. But mm -hmm. it, I mean, I thought, I mean, it says a lot about a player, doesn't it? If he's that unanimously hated, the other players around the league will all, all pay his fine for him.